It's a Saturday, imagine. It's not hard to imagine because it is a Saturday. But imagine it's a Saturday and you're free to do what you want. Who do you do it with? Who are the people I want to be with? Who are my, who are my gang? Who are my people? The people that if I have a choice to spend the day with anyone, that's who I gravitate towards. The reason I ask that is we're thinking about community and identity. We're thinking about the issue of where do I belong? Because there's the danger that we think about our identity just as a kind of a highly individualized thing. But the fact is, we're not just individuals. We're connected all over the place, aren't we? We've got connections and relationships, and all of them contribute to our sense of identity, contribute to who we are. The community and the communities that we're a part of, or the communities that we wish we were a part of, they all have an impact on our sense of who we are, on our identity. Where do I belong? Who are my people? Where do I fit in? Which group am I a part of? What family am I a part of? The community that we're a part of, or that we wish we were a part of, that influences our identity in a massive way. For example, your surname, that's part of your identity, isn't it? That's part of who you are. It's on your passport, it's on your CV, it's maybe in your mobile phone, it's maybe in your email address. It's part of who you are, but your surname says a lot about your connections to other people. It says what family you're a part of. It says what community you're a part of. Or, or think, about, think about life at school, you know, where it can be all about um, what group you're in, what tribe are you a part of. Let me sh- share a bit about my school days. This might be embarrassing for me, but that's okay, I'm over it. Um, back, back in my day, the kind of the different tribes, I don't, I don't think they've changed so much. I have a suspicion they haven't changed so much, but I might be embarrassing myself here. But the, these were the different tribes. I think they've got different names nowadays, but the, the groups are essentially the same. Okay? So first of all, there were, the kind of, there were the kind of indie kids. Okay? Do you know what I mean by that? Cool. Good. Great. They were the kind of people who, well, maybe especially as they got older, they shopped in charity shops, but they still managed to look cool somehow. They weren't very good at sport, and they listened to indie music, of course, uh, the indie kids. And then there, were the, then there were the townies, as we called them. That was basically the fashion drones. They were the people who wore everything that you were supposed to wear, and they were the people that were into the sports you were supposed to be into. Uh, they were the people that were self-consciously cool. Okay, they, they wore whatever they were told to by the big names, They went to the places that you were supposed to go to in order to be cool. Um, Indie kids, townies. Then there there were the goths. I think they get called something else today. I think they're called emo. Is that right? Am I embarrassing myself? You're all just like completely blank. What on earth is he talking about? Goths, let me describe them and see if if it's familiar. Um, They were kind of the people who were sad because it's cool to be sad. Yeah, yeah, you're all laughing. Yeah, it's not changed that much. They were, the, you know, it's kind of, it's cool to be sad when you're a teenager because, you know, that shows that you're, you're deep. You're deep. You're not like the townies who are shallow. You're, you're, you know, you're deep. I, I know that the world's a broken place and I'm, I'm broken too and I'm really sad about it. And it's cool to be depressed. 
It's cool to be sad. They listened to, I mean, they listened to all kinds of music. Listening to Radiohead was about as mainstream as they got, okay? Because that was kind of cool, sad music, but a little bit mainstream. They often liked heavy, heavy music, sad songs, slightly arty films. They wore black, they dyed their hair, that kind of thing. Somewhere in the mix, too, were the kind of the nerdy, geeky, computery kind of types. Um, they didn't fit in with any of the other three groups and were just kind of their own little class on their own watching Star Trek and that kind of thing. <laughs> now, they, they may or may not be familiar. I think from the laughter, that means it hasn't changed too much. So you know the kind of thing I'm talking about, okay? It's about which tribe are you in, which group do you fit in? Who are you going to have lunch with? Who are your friends? Who's your little group to be with and to be safe with? Because there's safety in numbers and nobody wants to be a loner. The community we're a part of shapes our identity. It has an influence on who we are. And we all know that. We all want to have lots of friends on Facebook, don't we? We don't want to be the person that's only got 25 friends on Facebook. We want to have lots of friends or we want to have lots of followers on Twitter. Nobody wants to be unpopular. Nobody wants to be alone. Nobody wants to be rejected. Again, when I was at school, the worst insult you could give to someone was to call them a banner, which was basically a way of saying you're a loner. You, you, you've got no friends. Everyone wants to feel like they've got a place. Everyone wants to feel like they've got friends. Everyone wants people who accept them and love them. Everybody wants to belong somewhere. Now that's because, like purpose, community is hardwired into us. Relationship, community, belonging. It's hardwired into us. God is a community, the Bible tells us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God is a community. And we were made in his image. Part of what that means is that we're like mirrors. We're made to reflect things. And we were made to reflect God. To be his image bearers. And he is a community. So we were made for community. We were made for relationship, friendship, marriage, kids, family, the whole lot. Made for community. We're made to be a reflection of God like that. That's part of the identity that we were given when we were made by God. So like purpose, community is something that we were made for. It's hardwired into us, but also, like with purpose, we saw in the last talk, community is something that gets messed up by our rejection of God. We rebel against God and it messes community up. As well as our sense of purpose, it, rejects, it messes up community. We're damaged. We were made for community, but right at the centre of that, binding everybody together was meant to be our community, our relationship with God. Our part in the community of eternity, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. That was what was meant to bind the whole human family together. Fall out with him, fall out with him, and the whole thing starts to fall apart. The whole thing starts to crumble. Everything starts flying off in different directions. Think about it. First story in the Bible, who knows, and I am asking you to respond to this, who knows what the first story in the Bible is after 
Adam and Eve rebel against God back in the garden. You know, they listen to the snake and they eat from the tree and God boots them out of the garden. What's the first story in the Bible after that? No looking up in your Bible, no cheating. This is just in case anybody happens to know. Yep. Cain and Abel. That's right. The first human family reject God. The couple have kids. And what happened? The two, the two brothers, well, one of them kills the other one. Broken relationship with God, broken community, broken family. That's what happens. I want, I want to talk, first of all, briefly, before we get into the Bible, I want to talk about three ways that we see our rebellion against God impacting on our community life. Three ways that we see community, relationships, family messed up. Messed up because of our rebellion against God. <coughs> so three types of community we have. First of all, we have fake community. Fake community. That's when we change in order to fit in. We change who we are just in order to fit in. You know, for example, you pretend that you, you've seen that TV program because everyone is watching it. Or you pretend to like someone because basically the group that you want to be a part of is all about liking that person. You, you just wouldn't fit if you were the one person in that group who didn't like someone. That, that happens a lot. It's the only way I can account for Justin Bieber being popular. I think it's all peer pressure. There's actually only about three people in the world who really like him. It's just that everybody wants to be friends with those three people. The whole thing's kind of spread from there. Or, you know, it's when you're at school and you pretend to have had certain sexual experiences because you don't want to be the one prude in the group. We hide who we really are. We wear masks. We don't let people in to what's really going on. We have more friends maybe through chat rooms because that's safer than meeting the real me, flesh and blood. Fake community. Broken community. And that's where we exclude people from our little group or we ourselves get excluded from someone else's group. We exclude and we are excluded, left out. We hang out in groups and we have cool crowds and in-groups and out-groups and all that kind of thing. We hang out in our different tribes, our different factions, our different divisions. That kind of playground thing of making friends, breaking friends, who's friends with who and who's fallen out of friends with who. That actually just that carries on into adult life. Adults just get more sophisticated at it. We just get a bit more subtle. Um, we, or we divide ourselves by race or by gender or um, m what music we like or what football team we like or what our view on politics is or our language or our fashion or whatever it is. We divide ourselves into these little cliques and groups. And we're safe and happy in our little cliques and groups, but... We define ourselves, we define our identity by we're not like those people over here who are this. Do it all the time. Broken community also, well, families break up, don't they? Sad to say, but they do. The vast majority of you I don't know. I don't know your background, I don't know your story. Some of you, most of you I've just met for the first time. Some of you I haven't even properly met yet. But I know, just, just from the statistics, there'll be a significant number of us 
here in this room who have or will experience that reality. Broken families. Families tear themselves apart. Marriages break up. Brothers and sisters hate and fight. Fake community, broken community. Thirdly, no community. And that's kind of when we think, no, I can be more myself when I'm on my own. I really discover who I am when I get by myself. Now, some of that's just about different personality types. If you're an extrovert, you, you love being around people and you just get more excited as a day like this goes on and you, you just be loud and crazy by about 10 o'clock. Um, and extroverts, at some point in the middle of the afternoon, they're going to want to find a, a hidey hole somewhere. Some of that's just personality difference. Some people want to be on their own to get just a sense of peace and stuff. That's fine. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we really think that the real me is me when I'm on my own. That's the real me. And that my real identity is all about me and my choices. So we want to do friendship still because nobody wants to be alone. But it's kind of like Facebook. It's friends, but how many of them really actually know you? Of the number of friends you've got on Facebook. Um, it's friendship on my terms, at a distance. Friendship based on my personal choices. Now, community used to be something that you, you were born into. You were born into a particular place, a particular street, a particular family, sometimes even a particular working community, work, you know, job. Um, you were born into it. You didn't kind of choose it. Now community is a choice we all make. I select my friends from the whole array. You see, it's, it's kind of no community really because it's about me just expressing my personal choices, my preferences. We hang out with people but we don't build deep relationships. We keep it on the shallow. We'd rather text people than talk face to face. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about with no community. Sometimes, sometimes we kind of take that and we baptize it and we call it Christian. You know that you know that you know the sort. Maybe maybe you found yourself thinking this: the sort of Christian who is, well, you know, I love Jesus, but I'm too cool for church. Being a Christian, it's about me and Jesus. We're like this. But me and Jesus were a little bit too cool, a little bit too radical for that kind of church nonsense. Why, why is it, for example, that for some of us, again, I'm guessing, I can't see into your hearts and minds, but you're human like me, so I'm guessing. Why is it for some of us, coming to today was more exciting than the regular church that you're attending? Now, some of that because it's a once-off thing and there's a cool band and all that sort of stuff. That's not wrong. That's great. I'm pleased you're excited to be here. Please be excited to be here. But it's worth thinking through what are some of the reasons for that. Is some of it because, well, this is community and friendship and Christian relationships, but it's on my terms. This is people who are like me. sad thing is all these three, fake community, broken community, no community, what they do is they, they pretty much leave everyone at various times 
one time or another, everyone feeling like we don't fit in, like we don't have any friends, not who really know us, and like we actually don't belong anywhere. Now, none of that's to say there aren't examples of great communities, happy communities, happy families, good friendships. There's loads of that. I don't want to overstate the case. But here's the deal. The Bible says we were made for community, made for relationship, for belonging, for friendship. That's where we find ourselves. But we inevitably screw that up one way or another. And it's because we've screwed up the most important relationship of all. In other words, we're in trouble. And that's where our Bible passage comes in. Colossians 1, we're going to look at verses 21 to 22. Colossians 1, 21 to 22. If you've got a Bible, uh, please look it up. If not, it's there on the screen. Colossians 1, 21 to 22. Once you were alienated from God... And were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. It's kind of a before and after. Before we belong to Jesus. Once, <coughs> before we belong to Jesus, he says, verse 21, we were what? Alienated from God alienated, estranged, outsiders, excluded, distanced, cut off. We hate to be outsiders. But outsiders is exactly what we are. Alienated from the most important relationship. Alienated from God. Why? Because we were enemies of God in our minds. You see, sin makes us think of God as an enemy. It makes us up here think, God is my enemy. He doesn't love me. He doesn't know what's best for me. He doesn't have a right to rule my life. Up here, we're enemies. That's what we think. And the way that that kind of shows itself or proves itself is in our behavior. Enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. And that includes all the things that we do that break and damage our relationship with other people. Our evil behavior. You see, up here we think of God as an enemy. We're alienated from him. And it leads to evil behavior, including a whole array of things that we do that destroy relationships. Alienated enemies. That's our story. That's our family background. That's the community we are all naturally a part of. A community of the excluded. Excluding others and being excluded because we are excluded from God. But the emphasis in this talk, I, I want it to be on the positive. That's the problem. That's the situation. That's who we are by nature. But that is not who we are anymore. He says once you, you were alienated. Not now. Not now. Now we have been reconciled to God. Look at verse 21. <coughs> Sorry, verse 22. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. He's reconciled you. 
There's been a change. For those of us who belong to Jesus, we are not outsiders any law, anymore. No longer enemies, but friends. Reconciled. Now, reconciled, reconciled is better than a ceasefire. You know, when you fall out with someone, and it, it, sometimes it goes really messy, um, and, and then you kind of you decide to sort it out. You've maybe been talking about each other behind the back, and it's got bad, and it's you know it's become really public, and there's a whole problem. And then you get, sit down and you talk to each other, and you say, okay, look, what we just need to do is just cool off, leave each other alone. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. It's kind of it's kind of like a ceasefire in a war. Well, reconciled is a lot better than that. Reconciled is not just the war's over, the war's finished. Reconciled is becoming friends again. It's not just saying, let's not hate each other. It's actually going from hate to love. Reconciled, brought back together as friends. It's not just, we'll agree to disagree and ignore each other. It's much, much better than that. God has turned us from enemies into friends. Now, please notice, he has reconciled us. He's done it. Not you or I. We were not the first to pick up our phones and text God and say, should we, should we make up? We did not initiate this thing. We, we did not make this happen. We didn't seek this out. God did. And he did it through Jesus. He has reconciled us. How did he do it? Look at verse 22. By Christ's physical body through death. Look at it like this. Jesus stepped out of heaven. There he was in that community of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. There he was. Do you think he was happy? Do you think he was happy? Who thinks he was happy up in heaven? Stick your hand up. Yeah, he was. I can tell you he was. He was happy. There he was in his community. His identity was secure. He knew what he was doing. Perfectly happy. The Bible says he stepped out of all of that. Didn't lose those relationships, but he stepped out of all of that. He left his home. He stepped out of heaven. And he came and he took on a human body and a human soul or a human life, a human identity. Jesus entered the human family so that he could welcome us back into God's family. Why did he need to do that? Well, it says we've been reconciled by his physical body through death. Through death. Alienated is what we deserve. We deserve to be outsiders from God's community forever. Alienated. If you want to know one of the things that hell will be like, it will be very, very, very lonely. Alienated is what we deserve. But alienated is what Jesus got he was estranged from God so that we could be reconciled. His death was a God-forsaken death. Jesus became the ultimate loser with no friends. It's a swap. 
It's a swap, you see. Jesus for us. It's a complete swap. He gets what we deserve so that we can get what he deserves. He takes our punishment so that we can experience his privileges. He takes our sin so that we can take his place at God's family meal table. Now what, now what that means is, <coughs> if you are rightly related to God through Jesus, what you have there is the most secure relationship that there ever could be. Jesus does not care whether or not you're cool. Now, and you, you know that. You know that. That's not a surprise to you that I've said that. But, but do you know that? In your hearts. He doesn't care whether or not you're cool. He really does not care. Not only that, it's it's much more than that, isn't it? He knows the very worst about you that there is to know. He knows the stuff that you hide from everyone else. He knows what goes on behind the mask. He knows the you when you're on your own. He knows all the bits that you are ashamed to show to others. All those things that you think, well, if everybody around me knew that about me, that action, that thought, that feeling, whatever it is, if everybody knew that about me, they would reject me. He knows it all. He knows it all. He took the worst of it on board himself and carried it all the way to the cross. He faced the rejection we do deserve. He knows it all, and yet he still wants to welcome you in. The most secure relationship we can have. When, when we don't feel like we belong anywhere, know that we belong with God in Christ. He offers us a kind of friendship that is not offered elsewhere. We normally think we've got a change to fit in with a particular group. We've got to change to be welcomed. With Jesus, it's the complete opposite way around. He says, yep, you don't fit in, but welcome anyway. You do not fit in here in heaven. You don't fit in here in the God family. You're, you're sinful to begin with. You don't fit in, but welcome anyway. And then that welcome is what changes us. We don't have to change to be welcomed. We are reconciled to God. But you see, it doesn't ever stay at just an individual level. It's always been God's plan to build a family. He doesn't just want to reconcile individuals on their own to himself. He wants to reconcile them together into a family, a community of people who belong to him and belong with him. So our second thing is that we're being remade into a new community. And there's going to be another passage appear on the screen. If you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, have a look at Colossians 3. It's just like on the next page or the next side of the same page. And have a look. Colossians 3 and verse 5 to 15. Put to death, it says, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual uh, immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices 
and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. We're being remade into a new community. See, what Jesus, it's a very simple idea, but what Jesus does is he restores our relationship with God on the vertical. And then our relationship with each other on the horizontal. He restores our relationship with God on the vertical and then with each other on the horizontal. Okay? It's almost like he's rewinding the fall into sin. It's like he's undoing it all. He's rewinding it. And all of the effects of the fall and of sin are coming undone as he reconciles people to God and then through that to one another. And it's described here in Colossians 3 as a change of identity. Did you notice that? Look at verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self. The old identity has gone. You've taken it off. If you come to Jesus, your old self is dead. The old sinful, selfish you is dead. As far as God is concerned, that is not who you are anymore. You've changed your surname. You're in a different family. And we've put on the new self, verse 10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. You've got a new self that is being made and remade to be like God. Renewed in the image of its creator. The new self. But that's where it goes a bit weird because we hear the language old self, new self, and we think it's talking about just us on our own. Okay? I've got a, a, an old self and it's gone and then now there's a new me. But then Paul all of a sudden starts talking about well, people together in a relationship, about a family, about a community. Look at verse 11. Here, in other words, in the new self, here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Now, that, that does not make sense if he's just talking about an individual. You are not divided with yourself along the lines of what race you are, are you? You're not divided with yourself over what social status you've got. There's just you. He says this new self is a new self where there's no Greek or Jew, no barbarian, no slave or free. None of the traditional boundaries. What Jesus does is he restores our relationship with God on the vertical and then with one another on the horizontal. So his, his new community does not recognize any of the old boundaries. All those ways that we normally divide ourselves up into tribes. Instead, Christ is all and is in all. Belonging to this new community isn't based on 
what music you like, on what clothes you wear, it isn't based on your education, on how intelligent you are, on, on how funny you are, it isn't based on any of those things, what race you've got, what school you went to, whether or not you're cool, it's not based on any of those things, it's based on Christ. Christ is all and is in all. If you love Jesus and you are loved by Jesus and Jesus is in you and you are in Jesus, then you belong. It's as simple as that. It's not based on anything else. It's like this. Become a Christian and you, 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 get, this, you get a connection with Jesus. You, you're plugged into Jesus. You're connected to him. But it's like joining a Wi-Fi network. You're, you're connected to everyone else who's joined to the hub as well. You're not the only one. There's this connecting to Jesus means you're automatically connected to everyone else that belongs to him. Part of a family. Now that's a fact, says Paul. That is a fact. There's an old self where we used to be divided from each other and now there's a new self where the only thing that matters is Jesus and we're united. That's a fact, he says. That's how God sees us. But it's a fact that we've got to live out. That's our new identity, but we've, we've, got, to, we've got to now try and behave what we are. We've got to be what we are. Live out our new identity. It's like we've been given a new name. But now God says to us, I want to help you, and I want to work in you to change you so that you live up to your new name. You live like you are a member of my family. So, think about it. Think about how that relates to these different problems that we saw. Fake community, broken community, and no community. In Jesus' new community, well, how does fake community get changed and healed? Well, verse 9. Do not lie to each other. Do not lie to each other. Why would we? Why would we wear masks? Why would we lie to each other? Why would we hide our true selves? Why would we do fake community? We, we know this room is full of sinners. We know that. You know how sinful you are. Why would you assume that I am any different? We know that, don't we? So we don't need to hide. We're all sinners. And we're all forgiven by God through Jesus. There's no need for masks in Christ's new community. We could say more about that, but, but moving on. Fake community, broken community. Look at verse 12. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. They're all characteristics that help us show kindness to others, aren't they? Help us honor other people and respect them and love them and care for them. It's kind of the opposite of broken community, the opposite of all the things in verse 8. You must rid yourselves of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language. They're all things that hurt our relationship with other people. They're all things that damage other people, that create friction and distance. Or verse 13, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Bear with each other. Because we know that Jesus bears with us. Think about it. When you're finding someone annoying, think about how annoying you are, and yet Jesus still bears with you. 
forgive each other because the Lord forgave you. So when something goes wrong in a relationship, seek reconciliation. Not just gossiping and backbiting and making sure that all the important people are on our side first. But seeking forgiveness. Seeking reconciliation with them. Giving them an opportunity to seek your forgiveness if you're the one that's been wronged against. Think about it. When someone does something wrong against you, there's nothing that they've done that Jesus hasn't already forgiven from his side of things. And what do you think matters the most? When someone does something wrong against you, what do you think matters the most? That it offends you or that it offends Jesus? Well, surely the offense against Jesus is the bigger crime, isn't it? So forgive, as the Lord forgave you. You're at least as big a sinner as they are, and he's forgiven you. Or verse 14, show love to each other. Over all these virtues, it says, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. At the heart of all of this is love. That's not just tolerating each other. That's not just uh, agreeing to leave each other and go your own way. Actively finding ways to, to show real kindness, meaningful kindness to each other. Now that's, just a, that's just a brief kind of ride through those verses. But that is, I hope you get a picture of that. That's, that's the sort of community that you and I are called to live in together with God's people. And that's the sort of community God is building in your church. Slowly, little by little, imperfectly, gradually, with all sorts of ups and downs, but that's the sort of community God is building in your church. That's the community we're called to be a part of. That's where God is at work through Jesus to bring about restoration and change. That's where, that's the community in which Jesus is going to restore and change us to become who we were meant to be. Verse 10 says, the new self is being renewed in the image of God. We were made in the image of God. That got messed up. Now we're being restored in the image of God, but not on our own, together with everyone else together with this new family. Jesus is not just interested in changing you on your own. He's interested in changing you as part of his family. So we often, we often think ourselves, and this is the no community thing, we often think that we find ourselves, we become ourselves when we strike out on our own. Oh, well, I can't really be myself until I leave home and go to university. I can't... I can't really be myself until I leave the church I'm a part of and figure out things for myself on my own. I'll be myself once I get to choose my life and my community based on what I want. But the Bible says that we become ourselves, we become truly human. We get restored in the image of God. We become who we were meant to be only as part of the new family that Jesus is making. Only as we get reconciled to God and then get reconciled to each other. Now, look, I, I, know, I know it's hard. 
it, it really is hard. I grew up in a church where, and lots of you might be in a parallel situation, I, again, I don't know. I grew up in a church where pretty much I was the only person my age. And that's hard. That is hard. Uh, churches can be weird places, especially for young people. The music's often not cool. Today's a good exception. The people usually aren't cool. Let's face it. Are they? The buildings aren't cool. Again, you know, this is kind of an exception. But let's face it. It's not, it's not a cool place to hang out, is it? With your church family? It's not. Some of the people you might be in churches with, you know, are very, very different to you. You might be in a church where actually the other people find it really hard to understand you. There's a, there's a big generation gap. But if you love Jesus, then you've got to love his people. If you're loved by Jesus, you're supposed to be loved by his people and in a loving relationship with them. That's what it's meant to be like. Even the ones who are different from you, maybe especially the ones who are different from you. If you want to be changed by Jesus, then it's as part of his family. There are no lone rangers, no mavericks, no loose cannons in Jesus' new family. So as we finish, let's think about what this means for us. Maybe you're here and you've never actually been a part of God's family. You know, sat there right now, that you are not reconciled to God through Jesus. You know God's still your enemy. You know you're still hostile to him. But maybe you'd like to be. Maybe you'd like to be. Is Jesus calling you to join his family today? In Jesus, the God that we have all turned our backs on throws out the welcome mat and says, come on in. Is that you today? Or maybe maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you are reconciled to God. Maybe you're, you've been a part of his family for as long as you can remember. Or maybe just recently. But, but maybe, maybe you've grown disillusioned with his family, with, with the church that you're a part of. Maybe it's really hard. Maybe you've recently distanced yourself from church, from Christian friends. Maybe you're seeking your identity in whatever other groups there are around you, at school, at work, university. Maybe it's because people in your church have annoyed you or have offended you somehow. Maybe there are some relationships where there needs to be some forgiveness going on. Whatever the reason. Is Jesus calling you back to his new family? Is Jesus calling you to renew your commitment to his community? Jesus is inviting you. He's inviting all of us. He's saying, find yourself by joining. Find yourself by belonging, by grace, to his reconciled community.